Thanks. Thanks for downloading. In this week's episode, Pat and I interview Renee Miller. Renee is a PhD uh, professor at Rutherford University in New York, and she's a neuroscientist, and she's got a great approach to daily fantasy sports. She's a writer for ESPN, pro football focus, among others, big-time DFS player, and uh, we just pick her brain. Her uh, her opinions are golden. You are going to love that you downloaded this show. She's very interesting, very informative, and, um, and she's the DFS queen right now. There's just no one better than Renee Miller. So enjoy the show. We also talk a little bit about the legal issues and the landscape surrounding DFS as the Illinois Attorney General is the most recent to declare daily fantasy sports illegal in the state of Illinois. Renee uh, has her finger on the pulse of that issue, so she gives us a little insight into that as well. Hey, listen, check us out next week, too, as PGA Tour action is back and better than ever at the Hyundai Tournament of Champions in Hawaii. We will have a full-on show for that with another special guest that will be quite informative to help you gain your edge when you pick your rosters next week. We cannot wait for this long break to be over. It feels like it's it's lasted way too long. So uh, thanks again for the download. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. A review would really help us out. So thanks again, Golf Addicts, and enjoy the Renee Miller Podcast. All right, Golf Addicts, it's David and Pat here, and we are really thrilled to have a guest on the show today. Um, who just comes at DFS with such a unique approach. Um, we have Renee Miller on the line. She contributes to uh, ESPN, Roto World, Roto Viz, Fantasy Insiders. Um, she's a neuroscientist at the University of Rochester in New York. She's also a published author. So um, how you doing today, Renee? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, we're super excited that you're you're with us. So did we get your intro right? I'm sure there's probably things I may have missed. What else you got going on? <laughs> well, um, I also contribute to Pro Football Focus during football season, and my contributions to RotoViz and Fantasy Insiders have really tapered off, but um, those are both great sites, great people, um, and I wish I could contribute more. Yeah, so the main place that we can find you would be um, probably pro football focus during football season, and then what, ESPN and Roto World? I'm doing uh, basketball and football for Roto World and ESPN, so that's where you can find me. I don't know, I'm writing like 11 articles a week now. (laughs) Wow. Those sites are the dominant ones, yeah. Yeah, and so tell us about, too, your position at University of Rochester. Uh, I'm a neuroscientist, so I I teach undergraduate neuroscience classes. I do a little bit of research, mainly in the summer, since my teaching load is kind of high. Um, My department is brain and cognitive science, so I have um, cognitive science and neuroscience majors take my classes, and I teach, um, I don't know, I teach a little bit of everything. I teach a couple lab classes. I teach a, a class in biology of mental disorders. I teach a neurochemistry class, and I teach a really fun class about animal behavior, like how and why animals in the wild do the behaviors that they do. Wow, that's interesting. In <laughs> in other words, you're a lot smarter than me and Pat, and neither one of us would ever want to take your classes. <laughs> oh, I think you would. We have a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, you know, and so about that, you know, we got to get rid of the most important stuff first, and... You know, I looked you up on RateMyProfessors.com, Renee, and as cool as you are, 
you know, as cool as you are, I'm thinking, man, if I were a guy in college sitting in your class and, and you're writing articles for ESPN and Roto World, why would I give you a 3.3 out of 5? Renee, how do you explain your rating on Rate My Professors? <laughs> I didn't know what it was until you pointed it out. Oh, um, no. Obviously, I'm, good I'm at that. totally ashamed by it. Um, I'm not a B student, but, you know, um, I think the way that these evaluation things go is that people rate their professor or give their course evaluation according to how they did in the course. And yeah. People that did very well write the answers, and people that did very poorly with the answers, so you always kind of average out in the middle. And um, <laughs> overall, my, my evaluations at U of R are, are a lot higher than that. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they are. More in the four point three range, but um, you know, yeah, whatever. I don't click with everybody. I um, <laughs> I applaud effort over ability uh, in my students. So those that are really engaging and trying, and you know, want to learn the material and are there for. Uh, for an education more than a mark on their transcript, um, those are the students that I tend to click with more. Um, so, see, I would have been an A student in your class then. All effort, maybe not quite as, as much upstairs, but uh, definitely a lot of effort. This is true. This is true. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, rate my professors not the most credible site in the world. Uh, and I do remember brief brief moments in my own college career going on there and lashing out at a, at a professor for for really just uh, for really me not being a great student so you know I, I guess in if we put it all in perspective you know your B plus rating is pretty strong because most of the people get on there they're just mad anyway so um, yeah so just just ribbing you there but we'd love to see that come up maybe this time next year Renee if you can bring that up to a four that'd be great all right, so obviously effort is something you applaud, but effort doesn't get you anywhere in daily fantasy sports, as you know. It's all about the results. So talking through um, your background and, um, you know, how do you think your expertise in the field of neuroscience translates into playing fantasy sports, so specifically DFS? Um, yeah, so how do you apply all that you've studied and learned in your broad approach to DFS? Uh, two different questions there. I think effort totally applies in DFS. I think the people that try the hardest do do the best. If you put the time in and do the research and um, study the game and practice it, you're going to be better off than somebody that just kind of flies by the seat of their pants and throws any old line up in and, you know, hopes for the best. So hoping for the best works out sometimes, but um, over the long term, I think effort is a key factor in, in people's success and the most successful DFS players do it full time. Um, it's a full time job and they treat it like a job. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that that's telling. But um, how does my neuroscience training affect me? I think it's um, it's more so in, in a scientific approach. So in order to get a PhD in neuroscience you really have to embrace the scientific approach and learn how to um, come up with good ideas, but then learn, learn and figure out how to support them rationally and with evidence. So my approach is really evidence-based. And sometimes that's statistics, and, and I mean, most often it's statistics, because that's kind of how I lean. But um, I think that the whole process of, of coming up with an idea and then um, figuring out how best to support it, and not just picking and choosing the steps that support it, but, you know, really 
almost trying to disprove your your play if you want to recommend you know Kirk Cousins or whatever what you know don't just look for the things that build him up what are the possible detractors what are the possible risks in using him and really evaluating um, the full body of evidence yeah you know that you know talking along those lines too you know in your book cognitive bias and fantasy sports you write about how our brains can sabotage our fantasy decisions i, I know that for me that happens quite a bit um so kind of you know i tend to have my favorites and it doesn't always lead me down uh, the best path especially in, in in daily fantasy you know what are some things i guess our listeners can do to focus on basically just creating the best lineup but without all the distractions that our brains kind of throw in our way when we're when we're you know making those lineup decisions, <laughs> it's a it's a balance for sure. So I I think the topic of cognitive bias is so interesting because we wouldn't have them if they didn't benefit us. Like as a human species, we wouldn't maintain these cognitive biases, which are really like um, shortcuts that our brain uses to make decisions, and uh, it's kind of a way to tricking us into thinking we're making a, an optimal decision, but it really might not be, because sometimes making optimal decisions require the brain to do a lot more work, and the brain already uses all the body's energy. It wants to do less work. So um, these things can be beneficial, and not all biases are bad, but when it comes to fantasy sports, a lot of them can. They can either give us false confidence in our decision, or they can just flat out mislead us. So um, being aware that, that some of these things exist is, is really the best way to combat them. Um, and, then, and then it's a balance. And it's saying, you know what, I play fantasy sports and daily fantasy sports for fun. And if I want to use Carson Palmer because it's his birthday, then I'm going to use Carson Palmer because it's his birthday. <laughs> yeah. um, cause, you know, because that's fun. But, um, you know, that's a, that's a personal balance, and some people will um, – you know, go more one way than the other on that. But I think some of our um, some of our trickiest biases to navigate um, involve um, how we value players. So once you once you invest in a player, say in a season long league, um, you're way more likely to use that player in DFS because you've already invested once. You've already kind of aligned your star with that guy, and so if he does well. He's not only going to do well for your season long, but he's going to do well for you in DFS that week. Yeah. So I think that's one that that we do instead of instead of looking at DFS for what it is, which is the fact that I can have any running back in my lineup this week. Any, mm-hmm. I'm not limited to those three that I drafted. Um, so I, I think that's one to particularly be cautious about. So what's what's another example of? Like, is there a is there a bias that you struggle with personally? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> I mean, it's not that. Um, I don't know. One that I struggle with a lot um, is something called primacy or recency. Probably more recency at this at this point in the season, but um, which is the idea that we give more weight to recent performances than to an entire body of work. Yeah. So instead of focusing on what a player has done for the whole season. In season averages, we look at what he what he did last week. Um, so that's that's a good and a bad one because we know that sports are variable. That most players are not going to operate within an extremely tight window of fantasy points, and there's going to be ups and downs. But being very 
um, cognizant of what causes a really good week or a really bad week for a player or a night in basketball. Um, it, it can be critical to using recent performance correctly. So you don't want to miss out on, on hot, good, new opportunities, but you also don't want to chase points that aren't going to happen again. You know, if the touchdown is scored on a completely blown coverage and it's one 90-yard reception for a touchdown, um, well, that's going to look great in the box score, but it's very unlikely to repeat the next week. Yeah. You know? So that kind of thing is something that I, I try to spend a lot of time understanding. Yeah, I think you touched on recency bias um, and things like that in an article you wrote around game theory. Can you touch on, on that idea of game theory? Game theory, so there's two main theories of how people, and animals really, this is something that comes up in my animal behavior class too, how they make decisions. Um, and one is optimality theory. You just try to make the optimal decision, and it's basically a cost-benefit analysis. You want to minimize cost and maximize benefit, and therefore you arrive at the best possible outcome. In game theory, you tweak that optimal decision-making process a little bit by considering what other people are doing. So if everyone makes the same optimal decision, is it really optimal for everyone? Right. You know, if everyone wears the same beautiful dress to the prom, you know, who's going to look the best? Right. <laughs> um, if everyone rosters the same quarterback every week, everyone's going to end up with the same score. You know, so... Game theory takes into account what other people are likely to do. And um, this is where the effort in studying the game of daily fantasy can really come into play, where you can really get a good feel for what players are going to do. So study other other people's lineups. Um, study what the winning lineups are doing in cash games and in tournaments. And, you know, kind of make it your hobby or side <laughs> project to, to try to figure out ownership percentages. Yeah, that sounds yeah. good. Yeah, that's awesome. Don't study my lineup, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we we obviously focus our podcast basically around DFS golf. Of course, we, we love talking to any DFS, but do you play do you play DraftKings golf at all? I love DraftKings golf. Um, I've, I've, I've played a couple times. Um, when they first started, I played more last summer. It's really hard for me because I write um, I write about baseball, NFL, and NBA. Yeah. Um, so when those when those major sports overlap, um, I have a really hard time fitting golf in. But like in the middle of the summer when it's just baseball, I loved golf, and it was, it was almost like my free time to to research and play golf on DraftKings because I wasn't writing about it. I didn't have to like yeah. um, you know frame everything in terms of advice. It was just you know, research for myself to play. So it's like my guilty pleasure almost. I love just Yeah, I think, you know, one thing I love about golf too is it's, you know, similar to football in a way that you can you, you can do your research early in the week and then you just set your lineup and you're done. You know, you've done your research and you just kind of see how it goes. Whereas if you're doing, you know, as you know, with NBA or, or, or Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. you know, it's a nightly thing. So it, it can be a little bit tougher. But um, that's one of our yeah. – we love about, you know, one of the things we love about golf, but, but, you know, what do you feel kind of are some major differences between, you know, choosing a golf lineup and a football lineup? And, you know, do you think stats come into play more or would trends and and course history, you know, play just as much of a factor? I think um, the main difference is there's no opponent in golf. So um, there's nobody limiting the golfer's 
himself in the course. I mean, his opponent really is the course, I guess. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but one player's score isn't going to be affected by another player's score unless, I mean, I guess you could have these, like, weird interpersonal pairings or forcings <laughs> or something, but um, in general, uh, you know, golf is an individual game. So that's, I think, a big difference. We focus so much on matchup in, in, in all the other sports, really. Um, so... Uh, I do think, I, I when I was doing research, and again, I'm not a professional DFS golfer. I have some really nice scores, and I have some really <laughs> terrible scores. <but> as, <laughs> as do we, as do we. Um, so I did, um, I looked at player stats and, you know, what sort of stats play well on a course. I think when you say course history, you mean, um, like, if that player has played the course before? Correct. Like, if he's, if he's done well in the in the tournaments in the past. And one of the reasons I ask is because David and I are funny because we're, we're very different in our approach, which I think helps us work well together. But David is, is a lot more stats-driven. I'm more, I, I, what I, I guess I like to say, a field player. I kind of just go by, you know, the guys I felt like, you know, if they played that course well or they're trending well, they've played well the last few weeks. So we, we kind of have that, that battle between us both on what maybe the best method is, I guess. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I like the uh, – I think in golf it is important to play with confidence. And so players that are playing well tend to continue playing well. Um, that's something I, I also take into consideration. But, you know, sometimes it's a matter of, well, this guy played this course three years ago one time, and I'm not going to weight that very heavily in my decision um, to use him or not. So I remember, who was the guy? There was one guy last summer in a tournament that everyone was on, and it was like his hometown course that he grew up playing on, and he just had like the worst week ever. (laughs) That sticks with me. (laughs) Yeah, we got caught in that. Um, There was a number of hometown hometown guys. Um, In fact, it just happened recently, too, in the fall swing at St. Simon's at Sea Island. Um, A lot of the local guys, Brian Harmon, Missed the Cut, all these guys that live there, Missed the Cut, it it screwed us up real bad. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, cool. We're we're happy to know that you've dabbled a little bit in uh, in DraftKings golf. Maybe that'll be uh, that that'll be something you can further enjoy this coming year. Maybe not. Sounds like your your load is getting heavier. Well, now now that we're friends, and I, you know. Yeah, we got to play. Might get some good advice. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, well, let's switch gears a little bit, Renee, to you know a topic that doesn't feel fun to talk about, but um, is definitely an issue, and that would be just the legal issues surrounding Daily Fantasy as Illinois' Attorney General is really the latest um, Attorney General to come out and declare this illegal, um, even though, you know, they do horse racing and lottery and all that stuff in Illinois. Um, You know, you're up in New York where that's happened recently. You're kind of right in the middle of it. So what are your thoughts on just the whole future of Daily Fantasy and the regulation? Um, You know, is there any chance you think this could go away completely like the poker industry did online poker industry did a couple years ago. What are you what are you feeling as you're kind of in the in the know? Yeah, I don't know how in the know I am. Um, you know, I have no legal background at all. I've worked with DraftKings a little bit and trying to um, you know, put forth some honest, accurate public opinions, but um, I think I mean I think it's horrible and I think that I think that the future of Daily fantasy is brighter than the future of poker. Um, I think really they probably grew a little too fast and with a little too 
few regulations. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, but there's no going back in time to fix that. So I think that both of the main companies and a lot of smaller companies too are committed to um, making changes that will preserve the industry for the long haul. And I think what's really disappointing about the situation is that this is a couple individuals um, going almost on a witch hunt here. And it, it just kind of, it screams of like a non-democratic process to me. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. When a single attorney general from New York or from Illinois um, goes out and, and makes these broad statements. I mean, <laughs> the attorney general of New York's statement was um, just... I mean, it was like hackish. I, I don't. Anyways, um, <laughs> I think <laughs> it gets me worked up. It hits close um, to home for you. I, we understand. Yeah. So yeah, and I mean, there was a time. There was like a three-week period where FanDuel shut down in New York. We couldn't play on FanDuel. Um, they're back up and running thanks to the um, uh, an appellate judge that reversed the uh, decision to cease and desist. So we're, we're back operating, and it looks like there'll be a trial. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of the rest of the country is going to watch and see what happens in New York. Yeah. I think the Massachusetts Attorney General put forth a really nice model. I don't know if you had a chance to read her uh, statement uh, that contained a lot of very specific and um, pretty reasonable regulations that... Um, would allow the game to continue in Massachusetts. So um, other states don't seem to be taking that kind of proactive approach, uh, which is unfortunate. I don't know. I think the whole whole thing in New York and Illinois seems to be a, a lot driven by casinos who, um, who want a piece of this action or states who want a piece of this action. Yeah. Um, but but that's, that's unfortunate. It's hypocritical, really. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's. Um, I mean, have have you have you been able to get the ear of anyone in New York that you uh, like? I know you wrote a really nice opinion piece right after New York's Attorney General came out. Have you seen any traction from things like that? Um, not as far as like being contacted by the legislators or anything. Um, I worked with DraftKings Public Relations firm in New York City to write a piece about. Um, CFS is a skill game, and that was published in the Albany Times um, soon after the issue. I don't know, late, late November, early December around then. Um, but otherwise, we're just kind of in a in a wait and see. I think what I what I hear the best thing to do is to reach out to your local representative. And I know that there are representatives in the New York State Assembly that are pro fantasy sports and pro DFS and yeah. have family members that play or play themselves and understand the game and support it. Uh, so I think, you know, making, bringing it to the light of the legislator, the legislators in your state, New York or Illinois, or, or even if you're not in a state that's currently threatened, you know, you never know <laughs> yeah. when somebody's going to take it upon themselves to, you know, ban DFS. So um, just, I think, increasing education. Most, I think what, what one thing, that we've learned through all of this and all of the terrible reporting that's gone on is that a huge majority of our country doesn't understand what the daily fantasy sports is at all. Right. So, a lot educating of, your your representatives is important. Yeah, a lot of ignorance going around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pat and I are in. We're based out of Augusta, Georgia, so we we've not yet been 
um, threatened, but I know that it's it's in the works, you know, and, and you're just waiting on that time to come and you're scared that it's going to happen. I mean, our basically our whole podcast is built off of that. So, uh, and it's a lot of fun. We get to talk to a lot of cool people like you because of it. So the opportunities that it creates for people too, not only to play, but, um, you know, to make careers out of or, or to, uh, to have a, a great hobby out of is also at loss here when, when regulation steps in. So, well, Renee, we appreciate, agree. we appreciate your time very much. And, um, you know, want to want to point our listeners out. Where can they find you on the web? What's your Twitter handle for everybody? My Twitter is at Renee Miller zero one, um, and that's my best place to be found. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always on Twitter. Or they can um, take your class at Rochester, right? Or they can take my class at the University of Rochester. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. We really uh, appreciate it, Renee. And um, you know, we'll be we'll be looking out for you uh, come come the summer when you can play a little golf, and you'll have to. You have to get some tips from me. I would not take advice from Pat again, as he's a field player, so he's oh, not. Oh come on now! I'll, I'll just alternate weeks, and we'll see yeah. who, who gives the better advice. I, I like it. I like well, it. I, I will say we kept a running we kept a running tab of our of our own league last year. Um, we play in a little fifteen person league every week with some friends around here, and we kept a running tab on the on the uh, on the money leader for last year, and it was me. However, it was close. It was close, it but was. I. I was number one, and, and Pat was number two in our league, which is nice. But um, Yeah, that is. That's good validation. All right, so you're both good. We're both good, but you're <laughs> going to like my stuff better. Um, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right, Renee, we really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. and um, It's great to talk to you guys. Yeah, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. What will you discover in Asheville, North Carolina? Your inner explorer as you hike mountain trails. Your creative streak as you stroll the River Arts District. In Asheville, the answers can surprise you. Don't miss Summer of Glass, now through September, featuring Chihuly at Biltmore and a community-wide celebration of glass with local exhibitions and tours. Visit exploreashville.com to plan your stay. Asheville, discovery inside and out.